Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No share with Dr. Dave. What is the importance of belonging? And why do we all need to belong somewhere? It is built into our human nature. Learn how the powerful philosophy of Ubuntu helps to deliver a simple roadmap to building positive teams and relationships, improving engagement and performance. Get your copy of Belonging and Healing, Creating Awesomeness for Yourself and Others by Dr. Dave Cornelius on Amazon.com. So, <laughs> we're just dying with laughter so welcome to the Knowledge Share with Dr. Dave podcast. I am Dr. Dave Cornelius, your host. We're continuing the series, Resiliently You, to discover what makes people resilient to build resilient organization. Uh, my guest today is Trisha Broderick, co-author and of Lead Without Blame, Building Resilient Learning Teens. Um, Trisha is also an agile trainer, coach, and advocate for diversity and inclusion. So welcome, Trisha. I'm so glad to be able to talk to you. I'm so glad I'm finally found time and we could sync our schedules to make this happen. I'm so excited to be here. Likewise. So, you know, I know I would love to get an elevator pitch so that people could understand who you are and the superpower that you bring to this space. Oh, elevator pitch. Um, well, let me, I'm going to change it up and say something slightly different than the standard, like, oh, I was a computer science major. Who cares about any of that? Um, I actually, I guess my elevator pitch of who I am is the person who tr is continuing to learn how to lead, but isn't afraid to share the challenges along the ways to, to say the things that might be hard to say to make sure that we're constantly growing and learning to be the best in the space where we can help others thrive. And so I try, my superpowers try is to really be in, in as authentic as I can. Um, my colleague often jokes that you get the same Trisha no matter who's in the room, and that probably is true. <laughs> um, but I think the other superpower is just being able to acknowledge that I don't always get it right. And that I'm learning still and I'm growing still. And, and the only way you mess up truly as a leader is you stop trying. And, and so I think that's my elevator pitch is, is the, I want to see leaders create environments that lift people up. And I realize it's hard work. Sure is. Sure is. So, you know, in your journey, as you encounter people and coaching and training, you know, how do you define resilient people? Um, so, I mean, you're, you've got your standard resilient definition, right? Ability to respond. If you're doing a whole podcast, you've probably gone through this in a lot of ways. For me, it's it's not about just being courageous or brave, right? Like it's not just being driven or focused and dedicated. For me, it's it's being able to also be adaptive to be reflective, to be in a space where you can process and think again and realize that part of resiliency is not being perfect, but growing, part of an, an evolving and inspecting as things are needed. And so for me, resiliency in people isn't perfection. It's being able to respond to the chaos because if nothing else, we should all acknowledge at this point is chaos is the norm, not complexity. Even. And, and so how do people respond in that chaos? 
are they taking time for self-care? Are they taking time to challenge themselves? Are they supporting others? And, and that's for me, what makes resiliency isn't perfection or pure grit. Like a lot of people will say just grit of, of sticking something. It's like, no, sometimes asking for help and not sticking for a minute is, is resilience. Um, and in terms of just moving forward and, and reacting to that, especially the chaos. Yeah, definitely. You know, in this, especially in this time, it's even more chaotic than, you know, we have seen it for some time. So as you're like in this chaos, what makes you resilient so that you could navigate, you know, what's really going on? So things that I've done to try and help maintain my resiliency is one, I, I do reach out and I have a great support network, right? Um, I, I think there are times when it just can feel exhausting. Um, and this is with any work you're doing, right? Whether it's DEI work, whether it's agility work, what, all of it, right? It, it's exhausting. And, and so there are times when you're like, am I crazy? <laughs> am I the one that's nuts? And, and having people to be able to bounce things off of, collaborate with, um, be inspired by, motivated by, supported by is really, really important for me. Um, it's one of the reasons that I co-wrote the book is because just having that collaboration is, is a huge part of me, not just wanting to not let myself down or other people down, but also not wanting to let this collaborator down, right? And, and contributing to that and, and seeing the bigger picture of what we're trying to do. I think that's the other part is, is beyond your support network is always looking at the bigger goal right? These are steps. No one step is going to make and break everything and no one step is going to destroy everything. And, and so always kind of keeping that picture on that bigger lens so that when at times you feel like, am I doing anything? Am I, am I dying on this battlefield? Am I able to keep going is to be able to really look and say, oh, wait, this is how far we have come. This is how far I've come. This is how far I've seen people come. And and then keep looking at what that bigger picture is that inspires me to keep going further and, and not giving up, not quitting, not um, willing to settle. Because that's really part of the resiliency is, is just not being willing to settle. That's right. Never give up, never settle. So th those are great words of uh, wisdom that you provided there. So in, in your new book, you, you know, Lead Without Blame, that you co-authored with Diana Larson, you know, what was the intent of the book? So I just still, I think still, I'm still waiting for the words you co-authored with Diana Larson to register as like, oh my gosh, and not have a, oh, I did that <laughs> reaction. Um, but here's really what we were finding. I mean, honestly, it was kind of just perfect timing in many ways. Um, we have both been being approached to write something and we're like, well, what do we want to write? We want it to be passionate. We really want to be engaged. And when COVID hit and just a number of the social world aspects were happening, there were so many people that were like, this is a taboo topic in the workplace, or this was, and yet some of those taboo topics were the very thing we needed for resiliency and to be able to learn and grow from. And so we started kind of going, why are there so many people that would have said they were in successful thriving teams suddenly just completely fall apart the minute COVID hit? And the minute, you know, um, difficult conversations came up that people didn't want to have. And why did everybody just suddenly like go into a shell and pretend like it wasn't happening and, and, and go off by themselves? And so the motivation behind the book in a lot of ways was we saw a lot of really good intent, really good goals from leaders. 
And yet the behaviors that were happening because they were status quo in organizations, because we were taught to do that as leaders, we're just not accomplishing the goal that we want. And then when you add in chaos, it was just blowing it up even further. And it was suddenly like where you couldn't pretend anymore that things were okay. Like the pretend, let's get the pretense off the table. Like, let's forget about it. And, and so the book started becoming this like, look, we believe a lot more leaders have really good intentions, have really good goals, but have just never been taught, challenged, to consider approaching leadership in a different way. Because I don't think many leaders were walking around going, I'm going to blame someone today, (laughs) right? They were going, walking around going, who can I hold accountable? We want to make sure we don't do this again. And those are good in essence, except the problem is, is there's an assumption you could have avoided it. And in chaos, that's not always true. And so we wanted to give people not a space where they're going to shame themselves, but a space where they can start to learn some new techniques and topics that we say are no longer off the table. Like these need to be brought into the workplace and and really actively addressed to create the kind of workplaces where people can just be their best. Uh, you know, that is so powerful because what, what just showed up for me in, in what you were saying is a, a cliche topic that we always come up with. Learn fast, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that's what just popped into my head. Learn fast. You know, you know, as part of the book, you know, you have this wonderful section called Resilience Factors. And I'm, I was thinking about resilience factors. I'm like, okay, let me just ask her, what is meant by resilience factors? So one of the biggest fears, this book so emerged, I mean, truly, we wrote the book as we lived the book in some ways, right? But like, one of the things that a lot of leaders struggle with is like, okay, we get the team performing, we do this, then what's my role? What do I contribute? If I'm not doing and I'm not the hub anymore, and I'm not this and that, what am I really doing? And there's this underlining assumption that when a team becomes self-organizing, then all magic problems go away. And it's like, oh, how adorably cute. <laughs> um, no. And, and so there were definitely like, I mean, there's lots of topics, but for us, there were four factors in particular that if you really wanted to create an environment where people could be resilient, these four topics needed to be addressed. Um, one is conflict. How do we get a healthier relationship with conflict in a way that doesn't escalate it to drama? You know, this whole, like, people are like, it's business. It's not personal. You're quoting a fictional movie about the mob as your business best practice. No, like it is, we are going to have conflict that's going to happen. How do we deal with it in healthier ways? Because the scariest to me is a team that says we don't have conflict because it usually means they're not talking Mm. or they're not really showing up. They're not really giving their input, right? So conflict was one of them. The uh, Another one was just creating connections. Um, again, that personal versus thing. And so much when we went to remote, it's like business only, like just get on the call, answer your questions and get off. And then suddenly when someone sent a message to ask me to do something, I'm like, they're evil, they're mean, because I no longer saw you as a person. I no longer saw you as a connection to me. You were just somebody asking me to do something and putting me out of my way. And I'm not saying you have to be best friends with everybody, but are we tuning those connections and those relationships so that when we go to collaborate together, when we go to engage together, 
I actually am invested in this engagement. I'm invested in, like, I want you to succeed as much as me. And, and I think we're not paying enough attention to that. We're, we're so individualized in our performance reviews and things like that. So connection was the, uh, the sec- another one. Uh, a third one was power dynamics in terms of, um, you know, most people think of the formal power, right? Who reports to who, but there's also influential power. There's hidden power or unidentified power. There's dominant power, right? There's all these power influences that can have positive or negative impacts in your team. And if you're pretending that they don't exist, we're going to be in trouble, right? Um, And then the fourth one was really creating inclusive collaborations. And Diane and I, we actually brought in um, a DEI expert, Jamara Nova Mitchell, to aid us in this section, but also in the book as a whole, of what does it really mean to create inclusive engagements? Not just we're all going to collaborate and then hope that it happens, but to truly create an environment where people feel seen and heard and included so that we can get the best wisdom of the crowd, that we can get the best creative ideas and and what that means. And and for a lot of people, these are topics like conflict and power and, and diverse, you know, inclusion and even relationships and connections that people avoid. They actively avoid these because they're messy or they're hard or they're scary. And for us, these were four of the things that, I mean, when you talk about being able to be in an uncomfortable, chaotic environment, if I can have a conversation about these things, I can be in uncomfortable, chaotic environments with these people. And so for us, this is what we were like, focused on these resilience factors, focus on creating team environments where they're dealing with these topics, where they're proactively engaging in these topics and not avoiding them. That is so excellent, but I'm going to even do one more. I'm going to go a little deeper into each one of them oh, and see I, how, I they, get... how they connect back to teams, how they connect back to individuals, how they connect back to value, right? How to connect back to healthy spaces for us to thrive in. So when, when we talk about the collaborative connection, you know, how does that help to create resilient teams? So the connection in itself is, is like, a lot of people confuse cooperation with collaboration. There are two different things. Cooperation sounds like, hey, Dave, I want to help you as long as my part gets done. That's cooperation, right? I'm helpful. We might even work together a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's your part. It's my part. <laughs> collaboration is where we're working together, where we're building together. In order to do that building together, there's got to be some trust building up, right? Like I've got to be able to not worry that my accidental interrupter, because when I think he already immediately flies out of here, isn't insulting you, right? Um, That you understand that's part of my thought process of working and and how I work. Whereas, and I've got to understand some of how you work best. and, And are we giving each other allowances for that? Are we engaging with each other in ways that's respectful to how we could work best together? It's not enough to just sit two people in the room and go collaborate. Like that's, we've got to build trust. We've got to build connection. And by doing that, I end up learning a lot about myself, right? Like I'm an accidental interrupter. I'm not doing it to be rude. I do it because I get so excited about what you say that it flies out of my mouth. <laughs> and, and But it's something that helps me to learn more about myself, which helps me be stronger in how to interact and engage with other people. 
In addition, once I start learning how to make, and I make that connection with you, I become an advocate for you, right? I become an advocate for, oh, Dr. Dave does this and you got to come with this. And, and those connections then build other connections and expand our network, which helps us to be stronger, right? We are stronger in the crowd. We are stronger with, with that wisdom and, and that collaboration. So for me, it's, it's about building something with a solid base to work from versus just throwing people in a room and going, make magic. Like that's hard. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's really difficult, but you know, I I just want to like acknowledge the fact that, you know, when you were on the board at agile Alliance and we're trying to figure stuff out with that five Saturdays program that you stepped in and, and collaborated and connected to enable the program to move forward. Uh, for many years by asking the right questions and, you know, genuine questions. So thank you for that. Yeah, because it's not about just a checklist that you're trying to accomplish. I need to understand why this is passionate for you because you were going to come at five Saturdays different than somebody else because there was a different passion and a motivation there. And if we're not taking the time to learn those things, then we're not understanding what might be really behind being driven. We're also not then being able to align with that passion, right? And because it's the passion that really makes us resilient and going. It's that's the goal. That's the it's not a checklist of things to just work through really quickly. So true. I, you know, and it was just really when I looked at the word power dynamics, right? I mean, we learned about that back in the day, right? And I'm it was so great of you guys to bring that back as a topic because you know, as we're playing around in the agile space, we're, we're trying to eliminate or minimize, I wouldn't say eliminate, but minimize the effect of the power dynamics. But you brought this up as a very important aspect of, of building high yeah. resilience team. So talk to me about power dynamics and the effect on an individual sense of belonging, because that is such a huge thing to find our space of belonging today. How does the power dynamics affect that? So I'm going to answer a part of it first, and then I'll come back to how does it affect the individual, right? This this is an area that, like I said, when we opened, right, I probably got hit, well, I got hit hard with all of these four, (laughs) but this one was the one that I kept going, no, I'm just one of the team. I'm going to minimize or eliminate power. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Who cares? And I did not understand how many people assumed I had way more power than I did, whether it was because I was on the board or the conference chair, right? How many people were reaching out to me to basically forge something and not really just to collaborate because they assumed I had power that I didn't or did have, right? And, and it made my trust issues with people when I realized, oh, you just think I can get you X. Like, is that the only reason you're talking to me? Like, I'm like, I just want to be one of the team. Who cares, right? And I remember saying to somebody, I was like, who cares about titles? And and somebody looked at me and they did this with the utmost respect. They said, must be nice to say with a title of executive. I was like, oh, okay. So I started actually thinking about this differently. If I can't minimize the power dynamics, they're always present. I can't minimize them. How do I turn them into something that's more positive and use my power for good? 
Um, whether the it's perceived power or real power, how do I start making it so that it's more power with instead of power over? And so we really dove into this topic, not just from a formal hierarchy, a boss can make you do something, but what are little things that bosses sometimes do that emphasize power over versus power with? So like I would invite myself to a meeting. Well, by inviting myself to the meeting, I'm basically communicating. I can go wherever I want, whenever I want, whatever I want. And, and, oh, but don't be afraid of me, right? Like these were mixed messages that were kind of playing out. And so instead I was like, okay, I can walk in the room and wish that everybody didn't just turn to me for an answer, or I can walk in the room and facilitate a way for everybody's voices to be heard and, and demonstrate that I want that engagement. And so I think some of it isn't about any more like eliminating or minimizing power. It's it's making sure that power is having a positive impact and not a negative impact. And, and that can be in lots of different ways. Like even Diana writing this book with me, clearly she is somebody that I respect and have learned from in many ways um, with time. And it could have been really easy for her to be the lead writer and I just added a few things here or there, right? Her influential power over me is great. Like she doesn't want it, but it's there. I look at her and she could say the sky is purple. And I'd be like, it must be like, I, like I, I would totally go with it. So she had to actively make an effort to make sure that my voice was being heard, that I was challenging things, that she was putting me as her peer in writing this book and what I was bringing to the table, what she was bringing to the table. And as a result, we truly co-wrote this book. There is no chapter that was Diana's that we're like, we literally co-wrote sentences together um, as, as we're going forward. And so power dynamics getting to the individual part is, is going, how do I create a space where individuals can still recognize, acknowledge the power dynamic? I can recognize and acknowledge that I still am greatly inspire, you know, aspire and and respect Diana. And yet I'm also her peer. And that is a powerful thing if from a resiliency standpoint, in terms of us being able to see our own worth, in us being able to feel confidence in moving forward, and us still being able to recognize the people in good or bad way, right? But not letting power pull our value down. Now that, that's so rich, right? In, in terms of, you know, the dynamics and the relationship that that came out of this, right? In terms of you having that sense of belonging, of, of being a co-author, right? And not someone writing a book with Diana Larson. <laughs> it's just really important, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I think so. I mean, so when, when we think about conflict. We're going to talk about conflict and how that helps to build resilient and high-performing teams so that they fuel innovation. So I want to say what strength does the conflict resilience factor provide to enable teams to deliver value? Yeah, I so it's a li- it's not a secret to anybody who's ever met me. I like conflict. I'm okay with conflict. Conflict doesn't scare. Drama, that's a whole nother story. Mm. Drama is a different ball game, right? But conflict for me is just something's trying to happen. Conflict is just a problem to solve. Um, My late uh, mentor, David Hussman, you say every problem is just an opportunity. Every conflict is just an opportunity. And, And 
but there's so many people afraid of that that we silence ourselves we avoid it we 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 disengage we we compromise or we just uh defer to people and and all in the end you're individually not winning the other person's not winning and whatever outcome we're trying to target is definitely not winning and so i'm on this mission in a lot of ways to try and get the definition of conflict changed. It's just not problem to solve. It's just an opportunity. Drama, that's a whole nother story, right? But if you avoid conflict, if you don't allow conflict to happen, not only are you not going to get the outcomes, this is when it does build to drama. This is when it does have the problems. And so how do we get better at really de-escalating and keeping conflict in a healthy state? How do we get better at creating an environment where we applaud conflict? Like, yes, that means you've got to figure something out. Like this means that people are being engaged and we got versus going, oh no, somebody said something. Oh no, what's going to happen? And like, people are like gearing up their television as like it's real life, you know, housewives or something like, no. And, and <laughs> it drives me bonkers. And, and it can be really trivial. It can be something that's just like, I had a colleague once take a photo and he took a photo of the three of my colleagues. It was for my session, but he was prompting my session, but I wasn't in the photo because I was up at the front trying to get my computer set up, right? But he tweets this photo out and tags me. So everybody keeps retweeting like, oh, look at them, but I'm not in the photo. So it was very like, it fell off to me, right? So- you know, if I was going to avoid conflict or this is a problem, I'd just ignore it. But the problem is when you ignore it, now do I really want to collaborate with this person? Right? Do I really want to engage? Do I, like, even if I believe they didn't do it maliciously, like, I hate the phrase assume good intent. Because yes, I want to assume good intent, but the impact matters. And the impact matters more. And so for me, I just was like, hey, why you didn't include me in the photo? Retake the photo. <laughs> retake the photo and he totally was like oh I just didn't think about it and we took the photo again and we tweeted that one out it was all good and it was fine but how many times when something like that is little and then there's another little thing and then another little thing and then suddenly you've got drama in the team but nobody really knows what it's from it's escalated to this point and it's just not necessary because we have this definition that conflict is bad no the whole point of wisdom of the crowd is diverse thoughts, experiences, and input. Well, that means conflict. But can we make that conflict just a problem to solve? Or are we going to turn it into a winners versus losers battle? And the minute we do that, now it's we're going to be in that drama category. And this is like, I could soapbox on this for a while because I feel like this is just a topic for the world. Can we stop with the us versus them, winners and losers, or the worst, the crusades, right? Like I'm now arguing on this for this noble cause. So now if you don't agree with me, you're not just losing, you're going to be losing on behalf of all these people. And it's like, it doesn't serve, we're not making any progress once we're there. So keep it to this problem to solve and take little steps. We're going to make way more progress with that. You know, there's so many thoughts that went through my mind as you were sharing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the one thing that just jumps out is rock, paper, scissors, or Rochambeau, you know, that yes. game that we, we use as a way to 
encourage collaboration, encourage support for each other, you know, and that the winner goes, the loser goes on and cheered the name of the winner, you know, yes. so that came, that came to mind. I'm like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, the person who actually made this really famous was someone trying to deal with two different gangs who were always in conflict. And she used a simple metaphor like rock, paper, scissors or Rochambeau as a way to uh, reduce conflict and said, hey, you know, we could always get beyond this. Yeah. Because the reality is, is once you're supporting, it, you are part of it. It doesn't feel like you lost, right? It's part, if you focus on it as a problem to solve, it's not about winners or losers. It's now you're collaborating and you get to own the new result. And that is always so much better than what any one of us brought to the table anyways, individually. So true. So true. As you speak of the wisdom of the crowds. So, you know, a big word that we always talk about, a big phrase I would say is psychological safety, right? Which is a welcome behavior that we want for our team members, right? And so if you could describe how the inclusive collaboration factor creates space for people to thrive, well, keep it in mind that we're talking about psychological safety as a as a theme, you know, that the, that's moving us through. Yeah. So I, I always love it. A lot of people were like, oh, what's this fluffy stuff? Trust and psychological safety, right? And and it's always like, oh, can't we just do work, right? Well, the problem is, is you can't do the work without the safety and the trust. Like they like that's the that's the dynamic. Um I I this is one of those topics, just like power dynamics for me, that I will own that here I thought I was doing a great job, right? Like I was like, not fully patting myself on the back, but I have the, as people would say, the receipts that I've tried to open doors for a very, very long time. This is not something new that just started in 2020. This is something I've been doing for a long time. And it was always very important to me. But what I failed at was one, I didn't communicate why I was opening doors to anybody. And to me, that was just being, you know, humble or like, it's not about me, right? Like, where I didn't realize, no, that education need to be happening, right? There was a reason Denise Jacobs was the keynote in 2017 as the first Black keynote on that stage, right? Like, that was me, right? Like, but I didn't talk to people about it. Like, I didn't explain why I was doing that or why that was important or things like that. I just did it, right? And so in a lot of ways, um, it wasn't until a moment that I experienced something where I was in a conference, somebody had gone up to one of my colleagues and asked if I was the fe token female on the team. And I went, and I overheard this. I wasn't present in the conversation, Ooh. but I, I overheard it. And, and I found myself being mad at the colleague, not the person who said it. The colleague was saying all these amazing, wonderful, like, no, she's the best leader. She's she will outspeak anybody in a room. She will like, right. He was saying all these amazingly wonderful, some of the things I wouldn't even agree with, like things, right? But I was still mad. And I was mad because what he didn't say was that's a crappy question. And, and that's when I started realizing that the lack of my education about what I was doing, why I was doing it, but also once I opened the door, doesn't mean you had a seat at the table for whether you're, no matter what intersectionality dynamic it was that was underrepresented. Opening the door did not mean seat at the table of truly inclusivity. And, and this is where I was like, oh, 
I've been leaving people hanging, right? Like I need to do more and what that next level was. And so part of that comes in is, is am I creating psychological safety where when we say we want diversity, are we creating a space where people can be them, where they can be seen for their differences and their, their experiences that they're bringing to the table? Because if we can't, then there was no point of diversity if there's no inclusion. And, and, and what is my role in that in terms of not just opening doors and trying to help pay that forward as others did for me, but to create the education around why it needs to be safe once we open those doors, why it can't be just buckle up, you know, you're, what's your problem? You're there. Right. And I mean, it was, and, and I'll even highlight this, Dr. Dave, like I remember sitting, um, God, this would have been, I don't know, 2015, 14, this was a long time ago where you and I were sitting along with like a few Ellen Grove, maybe some other people, we were sitting at a table at like the members meeting at the conference. And it might've been one of the first times five Saturdays was like being brought up or whatever. And I remember actually sitting there thinking how awesome it was for you to be up there, to be able to highlight that for, for our community to see that. But if you worked around the room, there wasn't many other black <laughs> in that room, right? Like at that time in yeah. those areas, obviously I'm not telling you something you don't know, but like I'm explaining that across the board, right? Like in a lot of ways, I, I remember um, a, a friend of mine of all often says like, I knew every other black person that was at that conference in that it space, right? And then I remember going this year, right? And I went this year and it was amazing feeling at Agile 2022, just like, just the diversity, not just black, but it's across the board of just diversity and, and inclusion that was happening. It just made my heart sing. And so for me, part of that is creating the safety of the environment that when we do open the doors, when we do create the space that people can shine for who they are and what they're bringing to the table. And that is something I just want to see more and more happen. But the only way it happens is if it's safe and it's psychologically safe to happen. And people discount it as like, oh, who cares? Sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt me. Well, actually, the brain science says words, you react to words as psychological threats, the same as physical threats. So when that person said the crappy, like, are you the token female? It was as if they punched me in the gut. My body reacted in the same way. And so you could say it all day long, what's the big deal? Or we can start creating a space where people can express those impacts, where people can start to um, not have those impacts altogether <laughs> um, and, and really be able to engage and be resilient in that. It, we can't put the resiliency for inclusion on the underrepresented. We have to, this is everybody to create that psychological safe environment. Yep. And as, as I say, belonging belongs to everyone. Yes. Right? Oh, I love that. Yeah. But, you know, you know, the, the new director, I think her name is Teresa Foster. Yes. Yeah. You know, um, for Agile Alliance, I've just, you know, just given her acknowledgement because I was trying to figure out how can I contribute um, to the conference this year because I wasn't planning on going. And so I'm like, well, if I'm not spending that money to attend, you know, and she created a, a pathway for Agile in Color 
And, you know, okay, cool. I could be a sponsor for that because, you know, that is part of the the safety, the inclusion, right, uh, of really bringing whatever resources and, and really putting your money where, where your mouth is in, in terms of really being serious about this stuff. So, I mean, I'm really well, just grateful for, for that. that opportunity. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for that too. Um, it was it was awesome to to see and 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 CP one of the founders of the Agile and Color was just yeah. I mean he was in his heyday like he was just it was awesome to see him <laughs> out and 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 across it was wonderful. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's so good that that it was born out of those conversations that we had in 2020, you know, to see that's came up as long overdue conversations, yeah. long overdue. Yeah. So let's talk about, I want you to leave the, our, our guests with a few words of encouragement that, you know, think of it as like, this is today's gift when they listen to these words of encouragement coming from you. And so there you are. Oh, oh, this feels like way more pressure than all the rest of it. I can answer all their, be smart, be motivational. The minute you say that, I'm like, no, I got nothing. Um, <laughs> um, what would I say? I guess I'll answer this question as what would I have said to myself, right? Um, and as I was kind of embarking on this is it is scary. These topics are scary. Um, I'm, I step in it all the time. I'll say something wrong resiliency is again, not about perfection. It's about learning. It's about that, that willingness to learn. And so honestly, I'm sorry. And then listen, listen to what you didn't understand, what bias you brought to the table, what assumption, what training that was wrong that you got, that you were just doing what you thought was the right thing to do. And the more that you, if I can do it, anybody can. <laughs> And, and so like, there's a, there's this dynamic of the only way you fail at resiliency is you stop learning. Be willing to learn it. Surround yourself by super courageous, willing people that are going to have tough conversations and it will be amazing what you can pull out of. So, you know, Thank you so much for sharing today and for allowing us to just dig into your book, you know, the book that you did with Diana Larson. So, you know, you co-authored, you know, so I was really, I'm really excited that we had a chance to talk about some of those topics because it's something that it's top of mind for me right now. And it's something that I'm really focused on. So thank you so much for showing up and being willing to uh, come on our podcast. You're welcome. And thank you for what you do and you bring to the community and, and what that means for people and creating the spaces that you have, not just now, but for a very long time. And you are somebody that I've admired, respected, and been uh, grateful for our interactions all these years too. So thank you for having me on. Thank you for support your support and things. Uh, but thank you for making a difference because that's what you do. Uh, thank you. That that almost want to bring tears to my eyes <laughs> coming from, you know, someone who has been doing amazing work for a long time as well. So, you know, we're equal admirers of each other's work. You know, thank you so much for doing that. So let me close. And I would like to say thank you for listening to the Nal Share with Dr. Dave podcast. I invite you to come back for more insights and perspective. Let me help you with discovering resiliently you. And I'll share with Dr. Dave podcast is streamed on Spotify, Apple, Audible, and Google, and many other platforms. I think there's about 30 of them or more. Um, 
<laughs> and and so I would like to say thank you to my niece, Kiana Brow Henderson, um, collaborated with dropping the music for this podcast with her. That was so fun to make it a family thing. Um, and this podcast is copywritten 2022 by Dr. Dave Cornelius and nalshare.org. So again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of Resiliently You as we continue to share our stories and experiences. So thank you, Trisha. You are amazing. Thank you. A game-changing framework for evaluating what it means to create value. Deliver value. Happy contributing people. Satisfied customers. Thriving business. Value is one of those concepts everyone thinks they understand until the moment they must describe it to someone else. Deliver value is essential reading for every business owner, executive, manager, entrepreneur, and anyone who cares about the future of work. What are you waiting for? Get your copy of Deliver Value book right now on Amazon.com. Get your free chapters of Deliver Value book right now on DeliverValueBook.com. That's DeliverValueBook.com. Let's talk about talk, it. Talk, talk, talk. Let's go deep. We all have something to share. No, no share with Dr. Dave.